This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. We, we could definitely ratchet up our savings rate, um, clearly most easily by me going back full-time, but also by spending less on food and travel and friends and I'm not willing to do that. So, and I don't see us in a place where I feel like we need to just like all out sprint to get to financial independence because A, there's no guarantee that we even get next year, let alone the next 10 years. And B, I kind of enjoy what we're doing now. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. We are here live from FinCon, recording at the Nefi podcasting stage. Thank you so much to Nefi, the National Endowment for Financial Education, for sponsoring this live podcasting opportunity, everybody. So we are here doing the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, and today... We're talking about how we can achieve financial independence in the future while living our best life today. Saving is definitely important, and embracing the present moment is also very, very important. So how do we find a balance that helps us achieve both of these important goals? Well, I've invited Angela Rosman on the show today, and she's going to share her family's journey with this age-old conundrum. Angela is a mother to a four-year-old son and has been married to her husband for the past 10 years. She writes about the balance of saving for the future while living for today on her blog, her award-winning blog, Tread Lightly, Retire Early. Her story and advice has been featured in major media outlets like Market Watch, Go Banking Rates, and Business Insider. She also hates most seafood but loves her pets and the outdoors. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thanks. It's great to be here. Awesome. And congratulations on your big award last night, or as your your little one said, your big trophy. Big, big, big trophy. <laughs> <laughs> last night, we had the Plutus Awards here, where they honor the best in personal finance, and Angela was honored with the best fire blog. Is that right? Yes. Awesome. And I'm going to... Andy might have won an award himself. Oh, I guess that's what we do. Best Family Finance blog. Thank you for all the people who are listening to the show that gave me the opportunity for that. And Angela, I want to talk to you about your award a little bit. It's a bit about what we're talking about today. You won the best fire blog, but you've also talked about maybe not wanting to retire early. That's true. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. And I mean, my blog is Tread Lightly, Retire Early. So I get a lot of questions like, so you're planning to leave a traditional workforce and um, you're going to retire early. I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe. Um, But Tread Lightly, financial independence doesn't quite have the same (laughs) ring to it. Um, Really, I started my blog on a, a whim one day and the name popped into my head and I liked it. Maybe it's not the best branding or maybe it is because it gets people talking about why financial independence is so important to me, even though I don't have any plans to retire yeah. at this point. It's funny. I, 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 I feel similar to your conversation. That's what we're going to talk about today, too. I'm a big admirer of the FIRE movement and everything that's going along with that. I also am a big proponent of living for today and enjoying yourself and maybe finding something that completely gives you passion throughout your life. But 
there's there's lots of sides to that. I don't think the fire movement says you gotta retire early or anything like that. So well, I mean, clearly, if they figured I was worth uh, winning a, uh, <laughs> exactly. an award for it, exactly. even though I've been if very award winning, right? Even though I've been very vocal about yeah, not retiring. <laughs> it's more about financial independence is retiring from the obligation of having to have a job, yes. not that you have to then retire from it. Yeah, it's almost uh, retiring from the stress. Of having to make up the the money, right? Yeah, exactly. You can do what you want regardless of the money aspect, which is kind of how I cut my hours to 80% time in the first place, is we were in a place of financial stability so that when I had the opportunity to reduce my hours at work, which also meant reducing my pay by quite a bit, I could say yes. And it wasn't, well, let's see if we can make this work money-wise. We could make it work money-wise so I could make the decision that was best for my family. And you had the options. Exactly. That's great. Well, let's talk about that. So you became a mother. Let's talk about why you reduced to 80%. Yes. So you became a mother, and then what happened? What, what changed financially in your world as a family? Um, so financially, not so much. I had a list of like 30 things I needed to get done before I got pregnant. Part of it was to have separate like funds specifically to like pay hospital bills and make sure that I could stay home for some amount of maternity leave. I actually ramped up um, very early and then was full-time at five months, uh, when he was five months old. And at that point, I was working about half-time in the office and then half-time trying to work during nap time and after bedtime, so like exhausted, you know, dealing with the baby all day, and then he'd finally go to sleep, and then I'd have to open my laptop and do a bunch of work. And so, like, Monday through Friday, I was either working or taking care of the kid or attempting to do a few like house chores, errand stuff, but it meant that it bled into the weekends and Mm. life was a blur and it wasn't very fun. It was really overwhelming. And so when I had the opportunity to put him into preschool a couple days a week when he turned a year old and um, we're really lucky to have family support for the other days. And so we started paying for preschool at the same time that I then cut my hours but went into the office for all of those hours. So mm-hmm. I am there Monday through Friday, but I'm there shorter days. That's so great. we have our mornings together, we can have breakfast together, and then I pick them up in the early afternoon and we have the rest of the day. Or occasionally I will sneak into work early and do a podcast interview, mm-hmm. or after work I'll go for a run before I grab him, and um, life has a lot more balance yeah. these days. Well, I like that. So talk to me about the conversations you had with your employer where you were able to create that situation because I think there's a lot of people listening, some mothers or some fathers listening, being like, well, that would be awesome. I would love to have a little bit more time with my children to create those memories. How did you start those conversations? Um, I think it was more the just talking about like what I wanted and like what I was hoping to do. I think there are more employers that might be open to that sort of thing if you can talk them through like, well, I can do all of these things at this amount of time, I just would have to give up X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And, but I'm also willing to give up this significant chunk of my income to do it. Sure. Um, but as long as I could keep my core stuff, um, then we found ways to kind of shift it around. And as I've worked less for three and a half years now, I'm finding more and more people that have different schedules and hours than um, you would think. Like, a lot of people don't realize that I work with that I don't work full-time mm-hmm. because I'm in the office five days a week and um, I'm there when they see me, so they don't really notice, especially people that don't work in my office. Like, they can't they can't tell I'm not working full-time. Right. Um, but then as you go get into conversations with people, um, even with, like, 
city staff, like government employees, private employees, like across the board, if you start paying attention and talking to people, like more and more, there are more flexible working agreements. And I think it's just not talked about. And the expectation is that everybody works full time, but a lot of people don't. Well, let's talk about it. I like it. So did you have to take a uh, a cut in pay when you had those conversations? Yes. Okay. Significant? Half? uh, Well, I mean, I went to 80% time, so I cut my hours by 20% and my pay by 20%. Okay. That that makes sense. It's probably more than 20% because there is some additional value to being full time. So it's probably more like a 25, 30% pay cut. Seems like a good trade off for a lot of people who are probably listening. Well, I would do that. You know, I would trade that for, for more time with my family. So did you guys in your family have to make that up? Did your husband have to create additional income? Or were you preparing for that change and just had a buffer? Um, I wasn't preparing for that change. I expected to just continue working full-time. That was my plan. But um, we have very low fixed expenses. Uh, so, you know, we have to you know pay for food and pay our mortgage and pay for child care. Um, but we don't have any other debts or any other... Um, big expenses. We have a roommate, so that brings the cost down more. So we just had um, enough fluff in our budget that uh, I just really like having very low fixed expenses because it gives you a lot more flexibility. That's awesome. Did you ever have debt in your life or was this something um, you've had from the beginning yeah, of debt-free life? I graduated college with $24,000 of student loan debt, Okay. which um, sometimes I kind of wish my parents had like paid for all of it, but when I really think about it, I'm glad they didn't because it's through that process of paying them off that I found personal finance blogs and really got into this money thing and how I found fire in the first place. So I think had I graduated with a much smaller amount of debt or if I had graduated debt-free, I may have not been so inclined to you know type in how to best pay off my student loans. So... I started with three blogs, two of which are not writing anymore. Newlyweds on a budget and punched it in the face. So anyone who's been reading blogs for a very long time, this is like a decade ago, and then one frugal girl who I actually got to meet here oh, at FinCon. Awesome. So somebody who's helped you on your journey to doing what you need to do, you got to physically meet today or this this weekend. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I've been following her story for like a decade, and she was definitely a part of how I, you know landed here. I was a blog lurker for a very, very long time until I finally started mine. Um, But I've been, you know, watching the community for a very long time, and it all came from paying off those student loans. That's incredible. So paying off the student loans, what did that then lead into as you were, you said you were a buyer of this community, you were learning from this community. What was the next step for you after you paid off the loans that then got you excited? That's the thing is I didn't really have a next step uh-huh. right away. Um, so we did buy our home at 23. So early on in our journey, my husband was in the Marines, so we were able to get a VA loan and buy in the bottom of the Seattle market. So we lucked out there. That's awesome. Yes. Um, our house is more than doubled in value since we bought it. So What year was that that you bought the house? 2011. Oh, God. Way yeah. to go. Yeah. So we <laughs> hit it like at the perfect, like it was a stretch for us then, but it's a smaller starter home and it's... Not a stretch for us now, but we have no interest in That's incredible. moving. So it sounds like you said you're you're conscious of your spending, you analyze things, and you understand what you're spending, but um, you also have goals for financial I was not actually paying that close to our spending. Oh, you weren't? Attention. Okay. No. So I was really, really focused when we were. I was paying off my student loans. But once I paid them off and we already had our home and I had my career, I and other than like saving the like lump of money I wanted for 
a baby. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any other big financial goals, and so we definitely drifted okay. for um, a number of years. And it wasn't until after I had my son and after I just got, like, busy and stressed and started spending more money on food and, like, delivery stuff because I just didn't feel like I could do it. Once I cut my hours, I felt like I had more time to, like, breathe and think and process. That's when I started really trying to, like, ratchet down what we were spending on as far as, like, consumables and, like, non-necessities. Yeah. Um, but it was starting the blog, really, that really turned it up to the next level. That's so incredible. we had, like, a 22 23% savings rate before I started blogging. At the end of 2017, I had, uh, on the blog, documented, a, like, a no-spend November where I tracked every penny for the first time in my life. I've always been reasonably frugal. I've always lived below my means, but not, like... Beyond that, we didn't pay super close attention. Um, but that no-spend November was very enlightening, and I actually had to like triple-check that I pay my, paid my mortgage because we had too much money in our checking account <laughs> at the end of the month. So, um, What do you do in a no-spend November? What were you not spending on, just to clarify? Um, so it was really like a low-spend sure. November, but it doesn't sound as good. It was more... I was going for as many zero spend days as I could and just literally I just had it like in a notepad app in my phone when I spent X dollars on whatever I would write it down. Sure, but this isn't food or gas or whatever no, I mean. it wasn't no spend in that sense. Yeah. It was more like don't spend unless you have a really, really good reason to spend it. Sure. Um, but so from that like 22, 23% savings rate, um, since I've been tracking closely and every month now on the blog I write uh, post updating everybody on how much I spent, so I kind of have to pay attention. Last year, we had a 46% savings wow. rate. Wow. Yeah. So, savings rate. Let's talk about what that means to you. What are you doing with that extra money that you're saving? You said financial independence. That's something that's very important to you. Talk to me about what financial independence is that means to you, as well as how you are using that money to get there. Okay. Um, so, my goal is just you know, whether it's because we no longer want to work or physically no longer can work or, you know, a lot of people have to opt out of the workforce to care for someone else um, or any number of reasons, I want to be prepared and protected for any kind of future. Um, so we do have a mortgage still. Um, well, it's a lot less than a lot of people in the Seattle area. It's still a lot more than people that don't live in high-cost areas. So... I'm paying a little bit extra there, but not a lot. Um, I do include my mortgage principal in that savings rate because I feel like it's it's still our money. I, I actually split it out on the blog, so I, I show both, but um, I kind of feel like it still counts. And then, you know, IRAs and then some other real estate um, REIT-type investments. Are you doing taxable uh, investments as well outside of the, the not, IRAs? Not at this point. Okay, I yeah. mean, like a very, very little bit. Sure. I mean, that follows what you're talking about, though. You're saying, yeah. I want to save for the future. I'm very content with my life right now. I'd like to maybe eliminate some of the bothersome things like a mortgage in the future or just have a lot for my retirement in the future. So you're saving, it sounds like you're saving according to your philosophy of life right now, which is, which is great. So talk to me about, you, you had written an article, I believe with Business Insider, and maybe they interviewed you about how you made that switch from spending a lot on food to where you are now. And did that happen around the time where you're saying, hey, I've cut my pay down to 80%? Is that when um, you made that change? It wasn't Yes, but it was more about um, even with the cut and pay, we could still make things work, but uh, it gave me the time to think about it. 
and think about what I was doing, and I started really slowly. So once I had gone back to work full-time and I was just trying to like get through my days, I was taking time pretty much every workday to go walk and grab lunch, which in Seattle can be anywhere from like 10 to 15 or $20 for a lunch, which is a lot. Um, but what I finally figured out was that I was really doing it for the walk and less about the food. Um, so I switched that out for the most part to a walk around the block instead of a walk to pick up food and then I would just have something simple at my desk. Um, but I first started with, I gave myself a $150 budget for the first month just for lunches and I came in at like $87 that first month and then like 40 the month after that and then I went six months without buying lunches Wow. Um, to really like kick the habit and then for a while I was trying to keep it to almost nothing and then I had a conversation with Gwen from Fiery Millennials about intentional spending and what we actually value and I was trying to not go grab these tofu spring rolls that I really like from the place around the corner and she was like how much does that even cost? And I was like, well, it's like $10. And it made me realize that like once a week is not going to break my budget. So I have now loosened the strings a little bit. And so now I guilt-free go and grab my food once a week. And otherwise I eat what I brought from home. That's so. great. It's all about balance, right? Yeah. Finding that, that level that works for you. Maybe $150 a month was too much for you, but zero kind of hurt. So... Going out every once a week, that's, that sounds... Yeah. We, we could definitely ratchet up our savings rate, um, clearly most easily by me going back full time, but sure. also by spending less on food and travel and friends, and I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. So, and I don't see us in a place where I feel like we need to just, like, all-out sprint to get to financial independence because, A, there's no guarantee that we even get next year, let alone the next 10 years, and... B, I kind of enjoy what we're doing now. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month 
each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking the time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. You're a big proponent of not depriving yourself today. I've read that a lot with your material, a lot of the conversations you've had. How are you making that a reality in your life right now? Well, I'm here at FinCon, and I'm not leaving later today like I'd originally planned to. Um, I was supposed to be leaving at 2 today to get to the airport, and I decided last week, last minute, that I could make it so I could stay until Sunday morning, and so I spent $150 to change my plane ticket so that I could stay an extra day, basically. If I was trying to go for that last dollar, well, I probably wouldn't be here in the first place, but if I was, then I'd be packing up and heading out soon after this interview. So it sounds like vacations or being able to spend time with friends Mm -hmm. are some areas that bring you a lot of joy. What other areas that you spend money on just make you super happy? I don't know about super happy, but I'm super happy that my dog's still alive. She's been very expensive the last couple of years. She had some heart problems a couple of years ago, and that cost a lot of money. And then she most recently had to have a couple toes amputated because she's got like this autoimmune thing going on. And uh, I realized that we've spent a lot of money on them already this year. Um, so our savings rate is a little bit lower, but um, I'm glad to do it. I enjoy having dogs in my life. And uh, I think it's part of being a responsible pet owner is taking care of them. That's incredible. So you are very happy to spend a good amount of your money that you, you bring home to take care of important family members in your life. Really, they are, right? Family members? Yeah. (laughs) You're big into pets. We talked about at the beginning of the show. Yeah. We're we're down to four animals. Our peak was eight, so... Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of families out there that love their animals and they are a part of their family. Yeah. So that's a big that's a big thing. So maybe if you look at your as you as I've seen on some of your posts, you look at your budget. What are some areas that people maybe typically spend money on that that you don't spend a lot of money on? Clothes. Clothes. Um, as of last week, I'm at two and a half years of a clothes buying ban, so I've not spent a dollar of clothing on clothing for myself yeah. in two and a half years. Um, I do have a few new things from hand me downs from friends and whatnot. Um, but that budget for me has been zero. Sure. And then um, my husband works in construction, so when he wears out a pair of Carhartts, he buys a new one. But um, other than that, he doesn't really spend money on clothes. And then um, my son's clothes come from either hand-me-downs or thrift stores or whatnot. So that's an, like oftentimes a zero on our budget um, monthly. And then, you know, I think we're at... Maybe, I don't know, under a couple hundred dollars for the year so far. Yeah, there's there's some men or women listening to the show being like, you don't buy any clothes? How could you do that? But your whole point is, I want to spend a lot on things that I love, like my pets and my family, and not a lot on things that I don't really care about. I mean, clothes, I mean, if you had a million more dollars today, would you buy a lot more clothes? No, I've had people offer me, like, 
I will buy you something so you have something new. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't need anything new. I, I get new things from, uh, you know, people that are getting rid of their old stuff. It's new to me. And uh, the clothing man started out as trying to get to a more, like, minimalist capsule wardrobe initially, but wanting to do it in the most sustainable way possible, which means wearing out the clothes I already have. Um, and by the time I'd hit that year mark, I decided that I was going to go past a year um, and just kind of see where it took me. And it has kind of morphed into not just a money savings thing and not just a shrinking closet thing, but um, really the like sustainable bit. Uh, you know, the most sustainable thing is to not have new stuff to begin with. It doesn't matter how sustainable it is or like you know fair trade and wonderful, but. The best is just to not have a new thing in the first place. And so um, even here, someone uh, that I know, I commented on Instagram some months ago about a dress I really liked that she was wearing, and she's paring stuff down to get ready for a big trip, and uh, she brought it for me. So oh, I'm awesome. going to wear it tonight at the closing party. And so I have a new dress, and it's beautiful. And you, you can't get more sustainable than that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, let's talk about activities that you have in your life that cost nothing that have no expense to them. What, what are, the, what are the sim, some of the things that are in your life that just bring you joy? Um, well, I would say gardening is zero, but not when you build raised beds. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, uh, and spending time in my neighborhood, we have a really fabulous close-knit neighborhood. We had a, a big snow event for the Seattle area, not for you, but our snow apocalypse meant that we mainly didn't go anywhere for a week and uh we over five days we had seven meals with our neighbors so wow um we do a lot of impromptu like hey you're gonna cook something for dinner i'm gonna cook something for dinner why don't we make it and then just like bring it together and have a meal together that's incredible uh, we live backed up to uh, a bunch of trails and some parks and so we spend a lot of time just like walking hiking through the trails outdoors is big being outside that's yeah. incredible. That's incredible. Well, so, so there's somebody listening right now that's, that's thinking, I'm trying to balance this, you know, saving for the future for something like financial independence or just general retirement. And then also, you know, living for today and enjoying the good things, being outdoors and, and you know, spending on the stuff that I do love. What advice would, would you have for them as they're trying to take that first step to figure out how to do this balance? I think a key thing is getting your base expenses very, very low because it allows you to have the flexibility to spend on other stuff. And I think once you can hit a, I don't know, a whatever is a base level savings rate that's um, acceptable to you, uh, be it 15, 20, 25% or even, you know, 5 or 10% to start with. But beyond that, looking to how you can make your life better rather than chasing the next 1%. Um, there are a lot of people that I think really focus much too hard on that optimization, be it the like over frugaling thing or the over intense side hustling, too many hours working for like a couple extra dollars. I, I think once you hit a certain level of okay enough, like not enough forever, but enough for right now with a little bit for the future, I think the next step is to really focus on how you bring yourself happiness next. Yeah. Well, that's a big part of these conversations. Sometimes it's less about money, right? And more about contentment and happiness. Have you read a book or a blog or a podcast or anybody that that has you know, helped you in that area of just general happiness and contentment that you want to shout out on the show today? Um, so I'm going to go with um, Tanya Hester's book, Work Optional. Um, you know, it is a financial independence, early retirement book. Um, you know, she retired in her 30s, but 
Uh, the money bit is second in her book. It, she starts out with like mapping your dream life and really being intentional about like what's important to you. And I think that's 10 times more important than the money bit. If you can figure out the why and what you actually want to be doing, then you can determine how to get there sooner. It doesn't require full financial independence to have a good life. I love it. I love it. Love Tanya. We've had her on the show too. Um, I'm so happy that she was also a multi-award winner last yes, night. Yes, she was. So. Congrats, Tanya. <laughs> Way to go, Tanya. Very cool. So, Angela, where can people find you, connect with you, and learn more about what you're doing? So, I'm over at treadlightlyretireearly.com. I'm on Twitter too much, and uh, I run a women's personal finance Facebook group that's really active and really awesome, and it's like the most supportive, wonderful place on Facebook. What's that called so people can uh, find that? Women's personal finance, and then parentheses, women on fire. Awesome. So you just type that into the if Facebook search bar? you just type bar. in women's personal finance, it'll pop up. Awesome. Angela, one. thank you so much for taking time to chat with me today about this balance of saving for the future and then also living for today. Thank you. It's great to be here. For the future and living your best life today. That is what it's all about, my friends. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with Angela Rosman. Number one, negotiate the ideal work situation. If you've been exceeding expectations at your job and your senior management truly enjoys the hard work you bring to the company, start a conversation with them about a flexible work arrangement if that is of interest to you. Make sure your finances can allow for a cut in pay if the conversation comes to it. Like Angela, be prepared with a good amount of savings and look for areas you can scale back if you need to. Number two, financial independence gives you options. Angela is looking to provide herself with options as she gets older. She's gotten the sense that people in her industry, as they get into their 40s and 50s, may want to make a change, but they can't do it due to financial constraints. She doesn't want to be there, so she's preparing for her future financial independence today. Number three, spend on the things you love and don't spend on the things that you don't. (laughs) Seems like common sense, right? Angela loves her family and her pets. That's a main area where she spends her money. Angela doesn't love new clothes, so she doesn't spend a lot of money there, right? By tracking our spending, we can get an idea of where we're really allocating those dollars, and that'll show us where our true priorities really are. Angela, thank you so much for meeting me here in person at FinCon and having this important conversation. And congratulations on winning the 2019 Plutus Award for Best Financial Independence Retire Early blog. That is awesome. And as Angela said earlier in the show, I was honored. I was named the best family finance blog of 2019 as well. I am absolutely thrilled. As you can tell, I lost my voice a little bit from the fun that I had here in beautiful Washington, D.C., hanging out with some great people, some empowering, smart, personal finance whizzes. And I am just elated. I've already bought my ticket for next year. (laughs) But mostly, I just want to thank all of you for your support over the last three years, because this honor, this uh, little trophy they gave me is yours, man. I, I look forward to bringing you more 
empowering and actionable advice to take your family to the next level. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, join us in the Thriving Families Facebook community. We are almost 500 families strong now, and we're having some fun conversations there. So go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash fbgroup, or simply go to Facebook and type in Thriving Families in the Facebook search bar. And the second thing, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then the last thing, share this episode with a friend who's looking to balance saving for tomorrow while enjoying life today, just like Angela. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 151. And if you're new to the show, I'd highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Dolly Parton. Never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Here's to finding the right balance for you, my friends. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.